Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are so glad you're with us. We're a Bible-based church from Ontario, Canada, and together we're on a mission to reach people far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Him. What should you do when you pray and it seems like God isn't listening? Many of us will be tempted to give up or move on or just quit altogether. That's why Jesus encourages to never give up. He tells us to keep asking, seeking, and knocking. He assures us that our Father does hear us and will experience His goodness if we don't stop praying. With that, let's turn over to Pastor Nate with part three of our Teachers to Pray series, The Power of Persistence. And hey, as you're grabbing your seat, I want you to just find a preaching buddy and just uh, tell them this morning's going to be a good morning. Can you do that? Find somebody maybe in front of you, behind you. Awesome. <laughs> I might need a little help today, so I'll invite you to do that. Um, hey, if you haven't been with us, today we're in the third and final week of a little a three-week message series called Teach Us to Pray. And these words are taken directly from Luke 11. Uh, the disciples on this one occasion, Jesus is returning from prayer as he often did. And the disciple, one of the Jesus' disciples asked him, they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And I find it fascinating that Jesus didn't, uh, the disciples didn't ask Jesus to teach them to do miracles. They didn't ask Jesus to teach them how to preach great sermons. They said, teach us to pray. They understood that prayer was essential in Jesus' life. And so it, it is in ours. And Jesus, uh, in response to this request, teaches them the Lord's Prayer, which we looked at last week. Uh, simple, simple prayer. In the original language, it rhymes like a little poem to help them remember. And as I said last week, you can recite the Lord's Prayer word for word. That's good. Jesus said we could do that. Uh, But even more than that, that Jesus said to pray in this way, that the Lord's Prayer was more than just something that we recite over and over again. It's a model. It's a simple outline that we can follow. And last week we looked at three things, just three sort of movements in the Lord's Prayer that we can apply to our own prayers. The first one was, and they all start with A, the first one was acknowledge Him. Acknowledge Him. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's like, when we start to pray, we should remember who we're talking to. We're talking to the one who created the heavens and the earth, who's above all, the king of kings, the most majestic. I mean, all of that. And not only is he all of that, but he's our father. And when you start and you acknowledge, I said this last week, man, when you get up in the morning, one of the most powerful things you can do is just stop for a moment and just kind of open your posture to God and be like, God, thank you that you're present with me today. No matter what I'm going to face, you're with me. And I just invite you to come and walk with me through whatever I'm going to face. That's powerful because all you're doing is just inviting him into your space, acknowledging him first thing Jesus tells us to do when we pray. The second thing he tells us to do is to align ourselves with him, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, for most of us, when we come to God in prayer, we're here and we're asking God to change our spouse. Maybe I'm the only one who's prayed that prayer or change my boss or change my financials. We're asking God to line the situation up for us. Okay, that's fine. But Jesus says, here's how I want you to pray. I want you to say, your kingdom come, your will be done, so that I'm getting into alignment with God. Man, that changes everything. Where instead of me going, God, change everything so it works for me. God, what do you want me to change so that I can be in alignment with what you're doing? The third and final thing he tells us to do is to ask for the things we need, right? Give us this day our daily bread. What do you need today? You need encouragement? You need peace. You need wisdom. Jesus like, ask for it. Whatever you need. The Father will give. We, always, we often start there. It's like, God, here's what I need. And that's actually the final thing he says to do, is to ask for the things that we need 
And he goes on, he says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So, God, would you, would you forgive me? Would you guide me? Would you lead me? Would you give me the things that I need? And this is the prayer that Jesus gives to his disciples and to us. And today, I want to look at what follows the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11. Okay? Because Jesus is going to actually share with his disciples a parable. So that's a story. We're going to look at the story, and we're going to learn from it. But I think the reason why Jesus is going to share this is because, like the disciples, Jesus knew that we would have this Lord's Prayer, and we'd acknowledge and align and ask, and we'd do our thing, but that there would be moments in our lives when we would pray to God, and it would seem like he's just not answering. And so the question I want to ask today, and I want us to think about, this is one I've wrestled with a lot. Here's the question. What do we do when it seems like God is not answering our prayers? Have you ever prayed for something, and it seemed like God didn't hear I have. I, some of you will know my story, but when I graduated from Bible college, I, I went into the ministry. I was an associate pastor, was working with inner city youth. Kids were getting baptized. Like, it was amazing what God was doing. And then I was getting married to my wife, ended up moving from, from Trenton to Peterborough, expecting to take on a, a youth role, like working with kids and working in the ministry. And at the last minute, it all fell through and fell apart. I ended up in a factory. And for... For the next year, I'm like, God, uh, is this where I'm supposed to be? Like, show me where, and like, it's like radio silence. <laughs> Am I the only one who's experienced this? Uh, two years, three years, five, ten years. And it's not that God wasn't speaking to me. He would talk to me about other things, mostly about my selfishness. But I pray and I'd ask God, like, what about this whole, I thought I was training. I thought I was called to be a pastor. Why am I working in a factory? Why am I working in sales? And for a decade, I'm praying and praying and praying, and it seems like God isn't hearing. And I'm telling you, for... For every person listening to me today, there's going to be moments where you pray and you ask God for healing or you ask God to, to, to work, uh, to do something miraculous in your wayward child or you're praying for a spouse or you're praying for a family member. And it just seems like God isn't hearing. He's not doing anything. And Jesus knew we'd be in those moments. He knew that we would be in this tension. And in those moments, it's easy to convince ourselves that God doesn't care, that he's unwilling to help or he doesn't hear us. And maybe some of you listening today have even resigned yourself to say, I've tried prayer. It doesn't work. And Jesus is going to tell a parable because he wants us to know that we should not quit praying, that we should not stop coming to him, that we should keep asking, we should keep seeking, we should keep knocking, we should not stop. Are you with me? Turn to somebody and say, don't stop. Okay, you got your preaching buddy, right? That's, that's when you look at them, you're like, don't stop. Okay, so, okay. so before we look, before we look at Jesus' parable, I want to turn to Exodus chapter 3, and I'll just share a few passages with you. If there was ever a people who prayed and prayed and prayed and thought that God wasn't hearing, it was the nation of Israel in Egypt. We don't know how long they were enslaved, but at least decades, maybe centuries, we don't know. Um, so they're in, impoverished, they're enslaved, and they're crying out to God. And Moses tries to save one of the, his Israelites, kills an Egyptian, and then he flees for his life. And he ends up in the wilderness for decades. Wondering, like, is God ever going to save his people? Wondering if God's ever going to answer the prayers of his people. And then one day he's walking along and he sees a bush on fire that isn't being consumed. And he approaches it and God speaks to him out of the bush. And that's what we find in Exodus 3, verse 7. Now, note what God says to Moses. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. So God tells Moses something that each and every one of us needs to know. God sees and he hears everything. Turn to your preaching buddy and say, he sees and he hears 
Yeah. Somebody came to church today and needed to be reminded that God actually, it doesn't seem like he does. It doesn't seem like he's working, but he sees and he hears exactly what is going on. He goes on to say this. I know their sufferings. I empathize. And I have come down to deliver them. This is the best news ever. God's like, I'm coming to change the situation. I'm coming to answer prayer. Amazing. And I'm going to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out to a land that is good and to a broad land. I'm going to take them to the promised land, which is amazing, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Megabites, and the Mosquito Bites. I changed the last two to see if you're paying attention. Okay, you get the idea. This, God's like, this land that belongs to these other people, I'm giving it to you. I, I promised it to Abraham, etc. Okay? And he continues and he says, and now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come up to me. Now, when I read this, I envisioned something that I learned about a long time ago Uh, in the temple. And maybe next week we'll talk a little bit about the temple. But in the temple, there were three spaces. There was the outer court where people would come to worship God. And then there was an inner court where only the priests could go. And then there was the Holy of Holies. It was a small room where the presence of God literally dwelled. And only the priests could go in on certain occasions and what was so cool is about when I read this, that their prayers have come up to me. I envisioned the altar of incense. So inside this holy place where the priest would minister, there would have been a gold-covered uh, altar, and there they would burn incense, and the smoke would go up through the curtain into the presence of God. You go, okay, that's cool. And then in Revelation, John the Apostle talks about how he envisions the throne room of God. And so God is sitting on his throne, and around him are 24 elders with golden bowls with incense. And the incense, the smoke is coming up in front of God. And you know what John says that represents? He says it represents the prayers of the saints. And I want you to imagine for just a moment that when you're at home and you kneel down by your bed and you're talking to your heavenly father, that that smoke, is, that prayer is going up to him like smoke. It rises up. Because let me tell you, when someone is smoking in the apartment that is right underneath you, you can't help but notice. Like, what? Where's that, Where's that smell? You know, if the person underneath you It comes up, you can't miss it, and God is not going to miss your prayers. When you pray, it comes up before him. He says, it came before me, the prayers of my people, the children. Now, here's a question. If God sees your need, and he sees your situation, and he knows about it. We learned last week in Matthew 6, Jesus said, you don't need a lot of words. He already knows before you ask. So then the question remains, why ask? Like, why do we pray if God already knows, and if God wants to answer, why doesn't he just do it all and we just be the recipients. And the answer seems to be that God chooses to work through our prayers, that God wants us to be involved in the process. Notice what happens next in the story. Verse 10. By the way, I hate this verse. Um, You'll see why in just a second. God's like, I'm going to deliver the people. And here's what he says in verse 10. Come, I'll send you. Yeah, so you can see why I don't like it, right? I'm going to send you to Pharaoh that you can bring out my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. This is something I learned about seven or eight years ago, that whenever I pray and ask God to do something, he will often answer that prayer through me. It's like, God, there's this person and they're in need. And God, can you just help them and bless them? And God will be like, yeah, Nathan, what do you have that you can give to them? Like, no, I'm asking, so you could do something, God. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to send you an answer to that prayer. There's this person that's suffering, God. Would you just encourage them and strengthen them? I'm alone in my room. And God's like, uh, why don't you invite them up for coffee and go encourage them? I'm going to send you in answer to your prayers. Like, no, I'm trying to pass the buck off to you, God. And God's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to use you. God will work through his people. That's how this whole thing works. Mother Teresa said it 
best. She said this, I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us and we change things. This is the same principle. It's like God's like, we're praying to God and asking him to move. And God's like, yes, I will move. I will answer your prayer. And I'm going to work through you and others around you. That's the part we don't like, right? But he will answer. And so if all of this is true, if God is working, I heard it said once that God will do nothing in this world unless it is first birthed in prayer. So if God wants to reach our community, if he wants to reach your family, your kid, He's going to invite someone to pray and invite him into the process. That's how it works. And so if that's true, then prayer is not just a formality. It's not just something that we do, but prayer is a necessity. It's something we, we must do. So with all that in mind, we're going to turn to Jesus' parable. Now, I ought to remind everyone that a parable is a story that, that has one big idea. Everybody say one one big idea, okay? It's different than an allegory. An allegory, you know, when you read an allegory, every character and everything in the story it kind of points to some truth, but a parable is like one big idea. And Jesus is going to share this big idea through this parable, and the big idea is this. Don't quit. Don't quit praying. That when you and I come to God and we pray the Lord's Prayer and we ask for the things we need and it seems like he's not answering, we're going to be tempted to quit. And Jesus is like, I'm telling you this parable so you won't quit. You with me? All right, here's what he says. Jesus said to them, after giving them the Lord's Prayer, he said to them, which of you who has a friend, okay, I want everyone here to think of a close friend, someone that you love and trust, okay? Which of you who has a friend will go to your friend at midnight, in the middle of the night, and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. So I want you to imagine, someone shows up to your house, late, 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 and you're like, okay, come in, yeah, yeah, and you've got no food to set before them. How many of you would drive to your friend's house and bang on their door in the middle of the night and ask for food? Show of hands. <laughs> there was two in the first service, okay, but none of you guys, oh, yes, thank you. We got one in the second service. Uh, I think this is the whole point. Like, to go and wake your friend up to get something, it's bold. And I think what we're going to discover in this parable is that Jesus is inviting us to be bold in our requests to God. That we come to him at any time, for any reason, for whatever we need, we can come. And he goes on to say this, he says, And he, the friend, will answer from within his house, Do not bother me. Go away. My family is sleeping. The door is shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. It's like, come back in the morning. This is inconvenient. Don't ask me for this now. Again, allegory, a parable, not allegory, okay? Uh, this Bible verse is not teaching us that God is put off by our ask, right? Like this friend. And it's also not teaching that your whole family should sleep in one bed. Let me just point that out to you as well. Okay, there are people that do this, the whole family, one big bed. It's a bad idea. My wife and I, when our kids were little and they were little toddlers, sometimes we would just get tired and they would sleep with us. Bad idea. It's like sleeping with a tuna because they just flop around. They leak everywhere. Um, that's free advice. Right? If you're a young family, just don't start that. It's not good. Um, continues. <laughs> yeah, thank one amen. I tell you, though he will not get up and give you anything because he is your friend, yet because of his impudence, one translation says importunity. These are words we don't use. Because of his persistence. That's the word. Because of his persistence to the point of annoyance, he will rise and give him whatever he asks. So Jesus like, you go and you're knocking on the door and he's like, leave me alone, come back in the morning. He's like, you just keep knocking 
You keep ringing the bell, he will get up and give it to you to get rid of you. You with me? That's persistence. And of course, um, when we think of this, we have to realize that Jesus is not teaching us that we can pester God to get what we want. Right? Like when I, uh, when my kids were little, one of my kids used to always ask for a snack. Be 30 minutes after lunch. We just finished cleaning the kitchen and it'd be like, snack. Like, no. Snack. Like, no. Snack, 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 snack. No. We just had, like, you're going to have to, you should have eaten your lunch. I want a snack. Just follow you around. And eventually it would wear me down. Sometimes I'd actually give this child a snack. Other times I'd send them to their grandparents. That's, uh, <laughs> sometimes you just need a break. But it was just like, it was constant, right? Just pester, pester, pester. Jesus is not saying that we, we pester God, get what we want, right? I want a Maserati. It's a really nice car, right? I want a, Ma- I want a Maserati. Maserati. God's like, no, Nathan. You get a Maserati, half the church will leave because pastors and all have to drive those. All right, Maserati. Fine, here it is. Like, that's not, that's not the lesson. It's not. The lesson is this. Add persistence to your prayers. Don't give up. When we come to our Father in heaven, when we ask for the things we need, don't quit asking. But it's taking so long. Don't quit asking. But I don't think he hears me. Don't quit asking. Don't stop coming. And he continues and says this. I tell you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Unlike the friend who is put off by the late night appointment, God is not put off. Ask, seek, knock. And he continues, for everyone who asks will receive, and everyone who seeks will find, and the one who knocks, it will be open to him. Verse 11, he continues to explain this parable. In verse 11, he says, What father among you? If his son asks for a fish, well, instead of a fish, give him a serpent. I want, if you're a parent, mother, father, grandparent, aunt, uncle, like if, if this little child, like how much do you love your kids? A lot. What would you give for your kids as long as it's good for them? Almost anything you could, right? And, and Jesus says, if you as, as parents would give your kids good things and not bad things, if you would, if he asked for an egg, would you give him a, a scorpion? The answer is no. You wouldn't do that. And so he continues and he says this, he says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Jesus is trying to communicate something really important, that we have a good father. And if you have a good father, there's no wasted asking. Let me say that again. If you have a good father, there's no wasted asking. I, I used this example last week. I said, if my six-year-old son asks for a shotgun, the answer is no. But I might get him a Nerf gun. You've got to practice shooting something, right? Nerf guns are great. It's great for uh, your marriage, right? Um, when, when my wife and I got married, one of the kids from the youth group bought me a Nerf bazooka. It was amazing. The ripsaw, you know? And I would, you know, when my wife and I would get into a disagreement, I would just chase her around with a ripsaw, and we'd have some fun. We lived in an old farmhouse, and there was this, this old lady. She was 80 years old, living in the back. And she heard the commotion. She opened the door between the two apartments, and she saw me firing off uh, a Nerf bullet at my, my new bride. And she winked at me, and she's like, I leave you two alone. <laughs> That's what she said. Uh, it's, it's good. The, the, where, where was I going? Okay. If you have a good father, there's no way. To, see, here's the thing. The point I'm trying to make is even if you're asking God for the wrong thing, the fact that you're asking, he'll still give you something good. 
And in fact, what he says is he says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Sometimes we're asking for the wrong thing. God, I need, I need you to fix this person that I'm in conflict with. And God's like, I'm going to give you a spirit of wisdom and love, my spirit. And I'm going to change you. And that's going to change the situation. God, I need these financial resources. And God's like, I'm going to, I'm going to come and I'm going to work in you by my spirit. I'm going to give you the strength and the peace. And, and God's spirit comes to work in us and through us. God always, the point is, even if we ask for the wrong thing, he's a good father who gives good gifts. Are you with me? So once again, if you have a good father, there is no wasted asking. Now, in week one, I said that we were going to start with like prayer 101, and then we'd progress towards 201, 301. So I wanted to take a few minutes here towards the end of the message today uh, to share with you a few different types of prayer. Now, you may be thinking, well, prayer is just prayer. But there's actually a whole bunch of different types of prayer that are found in, in the Bible. And we can pray these different types of prayer. Prayer is like a big general term, right? And just like I could say trees, what kind of tree are you picturing? You could picture a giant redwood tree or a bonsai tree that sits on your night stable. You could think of deciduous trees or coniferous trees. See, I paid attention to the school. I remembered a few things. But there's all these different kinds of trees. And in the same way, there's all these different kinds of prayer. And I want to take a few minutes just to kind of walk you through what some of them are. Because these are prayers that you can pray and you can continue to pray in the days and weeks ahead. The first is the one that we're probably all the most familiar with. And it's, they're called prayers of supplication. It's a big word, and it simply means ask. Prayers of supplication. These are the kind of prayers we often think of when we hear the word prayer. When we ask God for provision, for help, for the things that we need. There's a, there's a story in 1 Samuel of a woman named Hannah, and uh, she's barren. She's unable to have children, and she prays and cries out to God, and she asks very specifically for a son. And God grants her requests, and her son becomes the prophet Samuel. Uh, so we got this incredible story for asking. I think sometimes we, we don't ask God specifically for the things we need, but we're told that we can pray prayers of supplication and ask for the things we need. The second kind of prayer, and maybe you don't even think of this as a type of prayer, is the prayers of thanksgiving. Okay? And a prayer of thanksgiving is when you express thanks and gratitude to God, where you begin to thank him for who he is and what he's done. Prayers of thanksgiving. In the book of Acts, there's this cool story of uh, Paul and Silas. And they get beaten, flogged. They get put in the inner prison. They're put in stocks. And what's incredible to me is when they're in this dark and desperate position, they don't actually pray, pray prayers of supplication. They don't say, God, get us out of this prison. They begin to thank God and worship him. They begin to praise him for his goodness in the midst of that situation. How many of you read the story? An earthquake happens. And the chains are free. See, sometimes, sometimes we just need to thank God and worship him for who he is and what he's done. And you can pray prayers of thanksgiving. Like, I don't know what to pray for. I don't know. Just thank him for who he is. Just begin to thank him. This is a, an incredible way that you and I can pray. The third type of prayer that we see in Scripture is what we call prayers of faith. Prayers of faith. And these prayers are prayers where you remind God of his promises. In the Old Testament, God gets angry with the nation of Israel. And he wants, to, he wants to destroy them. And Moses says, hey, remember your promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He reminds God of his promises. Throughout scripture, we're told to remind God of his promises. When the, the nation was in exile in Babylon, they reminded God of his promises to restore them to the land. And God was good to keep his promises. My kids actually know how to do this, this prayer of faith thing. Like sometimes my kids will come and say, hey, can we go out for dinner tonight? And I'll say, no, it's not in the budget. And then one of them would be like, 
But you said this week we were going to go out for dinner as a family. They remind me of my promise. And my response has to be, where do you want to go? This is why we read the Bible. This is why we need to know what his promises are to us, what he has said he will do, so that we can stand in faith and remind him of his... It's not that he's forgotten, but we need to remind ourselves and him of what he has said he would do. Prayer of faith. This fourth kind is one uh, we often forget, and it's what we call a prayer of repentance. And a prayer of repentance is a prayer where you uh, acknowledge your sin, you acknowledge your weakness, your failure, and to repent means to turn and go the other way. And so this is a transformative prayer where we say, God, I'm no longer going to trust in this, but I'm going to trust in you. That's repentance. I'm no longer going to live this way, but I'm going to choose to follow where you lead. I'm going to go this way. I'm not going to respond in anger and hatred, but I'm going to respond in love, and I'm going to go where you're leading me. This is a prayer of repentance. It's a change of direction. It's a change of heart. You're like, I didn't even know I could pray prayers like that. Yes, you can. They're all over the Bible, and we're encouraged to do that. This fifth one we should take a moment on, prayers of lament. You're like, really? That's a pr-? Yeah. Prayers of lament is when you pour out your heart before God, especially when you're weary and broken. You know, um, I, I've learned over the years that tears and cries can sometimes communicate way more than words. There'll be times when my wife and I are in a heated disagreement and we're like butting heads and we can't, we can't get through to each other. And then a few little tears will come down her face and it gets through to me in a way that any word or argument could never. When our kids were little, like the little babies, we learned over time their cries were all different. Have you noticed this? Anyone been around babies? Their cries are different. You hear a cry and, you know, the mother, usually the mother, but sometimes the father will just know. They're like, oh, cranky. They hear the cry like, no, that's not cranky. Dirty diaper. Anger. That's anger. Yes. You know a six-month-old can be angry? Yes, they can. Right? So you're, you're like, oh, that's anger. Or, or sleepy. You hear the cry and you know. And can I tell you something? God hears the cry of your heart and he knows exactly what is going on. As our kids got older, the cries started to change. You know, when they get into adole- like, uh, you know, adolescence and stuff. Then the cry, sometimes you get the fake cry. Maybe some of the parents of teenagers, are <laughs> and it's like total manipulation, but it still kind of works, right? Or like when our kids got old, we'd be down in the living room and they'd be upstairs and one of the kids, you'd hear this thump and you'd hear a cry right away and it was like, okay, you're going to walk upstairs and check what's going on. But if you heard a thump and nothing, seven, eight, nine, one thousand. Start the van. We're going to the hospital, right? You just, you just know by the cry. Um, God hears. He listens to the cries of our heart, and he gets it. And so you're like, I didn't even know that was a kind of prayer. Yeah, it is. You can lay your heart bare before God and bring your turmoil and your suffering and your hurt to him, and he gets it, he understands, and he responds. Uh, this next one probably needs a little more time, but um, you can pray in the Spirit. The New Testament talks about praying in the Spirit. Now, people... People interpret this a number of different ways, right? Uh, for some, it's just, you know, praying through tears, through groaning. It's like, I don't know what to ask for. I don't know how to talk. I don't know what to even pray for. And I'm just going to allow the Spirit of God within me to cry out. Uh, for some, they'll pray in other tongues. This sounds like gibberish. And you're like, what, what are they even saying? They don't even understand. It doesn't matter because it's their spirit praying to God because we don't know what to pray for. So that's a, a type of prayer that you can learn about and explore. But I want to I talk about this last one for a few moments. I'm going to invite the band to come up because we're going to finish with a song about God's faithfulness. So as they come, I want to introduce this last type of prayer. 
and it's called a prayer of intercession. And a prayer of intercession is when you pray for someone else, when you stand in the gap between God and someone else. There's this cool story in the book of Genesis where Abraham, God appears to Abraham, and he says, Sodom and Gomorrah is wicked, I'm going to go destroy it. And Abraham says, well, you wouldn't destroy it if there were 50 righteous people there, would you? God says, no, I'll spare it. And then Abraham goes, uh, wait, how about 45? Would you destroy it if there were 45 righteous? And God says, no, I'll spare it. How about 40? How about 30? How about 20? Finally, he says, how about 10? Abraham is interceding on behalf of the city and the inhabitants there. Did you know that you can actually pray and intercede for other people? There's this cool passage in Ezekiel 22:30. Let me read it to you. God says this. I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. In the ancient world, they would surround the city with a big wall and that wall would protect the people in the city. Now, if you had a breach in the wall, what's that mean? It means there's a hole in the wall where the enemy can come in and destroy And God says, I was looking for somebody who would stand in that hole and defend the people. Someone who would intercede on behalf of the people. And he says, I could not find anyone. And the question I have for you today is, would we be the kind of people who stand in the gap and pray for others? You know, as I was uh, looking over this parable last night, I was thinking about it predominantly about, you know, us asking for the things we need. And so as I was reading this one commentary, I think it was by Darby, and he actually called the parable the parable of the three friends. And maybe like me, we were reading that parable and you only really paid attention to two of them, but there was a third friend. And the third friend was the person who showed up at midnight in desperate need and hungry. And The one who goes to wake up his friend at midnight is actually going on behalf of someone else in need. It's an intercessory prayer. And Jesus wanted his disciples and us to know that we could intercede. Did you know that you can go to God in prayer and intercede for your family? Did you know that you can go to God and intercede for your workplace, for your grandchildren, for your spouse? Did you know that we as a church can intercede for our city and ask God to bless our city And to bring revival to our city. We can do that. We can stand in the gap. And invite God to come. And to move. When I was a kid. I used to hear. uh, They used to talk about prayer warriors. How many of you heard of prayer warriors? Yeah. Prayer warriors. These are people of prayer. And I remember as a little kid. Someone saying to me. See that lady over there? And she was. She was an old lady. I said she's a prayer warrior. And as a kid I'm like. That's not a warrior. She uses a walker can't be, if I pushed her, she would fall over. Like this is what I, you know, seven-year-old thinking about this. And they say, oh, she's a prayer warrior. And, and that lady would come over to me and she would say, Nathan, come over, scared little kid. She'd come over, she's like, I'm praying for you. Crooked finger waving it at me. I'm praying. And I think she was trying to encourage me, but I, I was like a threat. I'm like, oh, I'll never get away with sin if you're praying. I'm praying for you. Standing in the gap, asking God to do something in your life. How powerful is that? And and God invites us not only to pray for the things we need, but Jesus is actually telling his disciples to stand in the gap, to, to boldly come to him wherever, whenever, to ask for the things that we need, but also for the needs of those around us, right? 
So when the people in our life are struggling and have no peace and they're struggling and they, and they need support, and you say, I have nothing to offer you, but I have a friend who does. Let's go to him in prayer. Anytime, anywhere. And so uh, today I want to invite you to stand. The band's going to lead us in a little bit of a song. Uh, it's called Same God. And here's what you need to know. God has not changed. He is still ready and willing to answer prayer. God has not changed. He still wants to work in your life. He still wants to bring good things into your life. So I'm going to let them sing, and I'm going to come back to close us out at the end. Hey, that's it from us. Thank you so much for joining. Please stay connected with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Pathway Church PTBO. Hey, God is at work in this world, and we feel so blessed that we get to be part of what he is doing. Have a great day wherever you're at, and we hope to see you soon.